You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my good friend and co-founder of Bonsai Creative with me, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. Hello, hello, hello. It's good to be back, man. It's been a while. It is good to be back, and it's that time of the year again, or is it? Normally, we are doing the award season, Oscar season much sooner, much earlier, but this is like the COVID recovery year. (laughs) And so we're doing it April 25th this year. Uh, We're talking about the Academy Awards. We're talking about Oscars. And the, well, the reason it's on my mind outside of the time, Nick, is that it goes back to some day one stuff for, for us where we went around and we asked people, with just a little tape recorder in our hand, we walked around right. and we yeah. said, what does it mean to you to make it? And most people, we'd say 80% of people said, just paying my bills, doing what I love. Yep. And we took it on face value, but we have our cynicism. We're optimistic people, Nick. But we had our cynicism about the answer because, for example... I would say every person that we talked to wanted to what? Win an Oscar. Win win an Oscar. Period. Right. Right. So if you win an Academy Award, you win an Oscar, you certainly have a degree of notoriety. You're doing a little bit more than just paying your your rent or uh, on your apartment. You're doing some bigger things. And so I think there's just a part of it, Nick, that we can all resonate with, like, Yes, I guess at minimum. I think the real answer is you add so you add a qualifier. At minimum, I want to pay my bills doing what I love. You could, yeah. But there's no ceiling to, to <laughs> right, right. To I'm just gonna put the floor. Yeah, right. yeah. Here's the floor. The <laughs> right. ceiling is I'd love to be a multi Oscar winner, and and that kind of sits right with about everybody we've talked to, especially right. when we've worked with you deeply and you know been executive producing or advisor producing on a particular film or consulting on a screenplay or whatever it might be, and they want to win. And so here we are at Oscar season, and here are our nominees for movie of the year. Now we're gonna play a little game, Nick. A little game. You're a man of games. The nominees are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Nick, how many of those have you seen? Doom, doom, doom. I can stop now. I haven't seen any of them, bro. Yes. Yes. So here we are. We have an independent film podcast and we're in this world. These are the best movies that the movie industry produced this year by consensus. And here we are having to play catch up. And it's like this every single year. I have seen one of these films. I've seen Judas and the Black Messiah. 
I texted the, the, the friend group, the bestie group right away. As soon as I watched it, right. I thought it was incredible. Uh, I think Lakeith Stanfield should win an award. I, he was un freaking believable in that, but all the rest of them, I almost watched promising young woman. Almost that almost happened. How'd you get around watching uh, Nomadland? Because that's like winning everything. Every time I open up something, it's like it's won something else. It's Mank or Nomadland. And what happens is it's a movie that I'm probably going to have to watch alone. It's not like you bring the family in and they're like, you watch that trailer and you say, yeah, that's the one. Exactly. It's not. It's not. It's not. And so the reality is, is that I think every single year, we all just sort of nod, just like you said. We just sort of nod and agree. Yep. These are the good movies. And then we talk about it like we know. <laughs> or we nod. Have you, have you seen have you seen <laughs> have you seen No Medland? Right. It's gonna it's gonna win everything. Right. Oh yeah. It's right. It's gonna win everything, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't know. And we don't, we don't know. know. We're not watching the shit. So every year I'm scrambling to catch up and watch all the movies. So I actually have a basis by which to speak about this stuff. But so far for me, it's just been Judas and the Black Messiah. And I don't know, maybe there's another movie out there that deserves to be in this group, Nick. I mean, is, is there a movie that stands out to you as one that you love this year? Yeah, I guess it depends, right? So you're talking about one of the gatekeeper movies, <laughs> right? Are you talking right. about yeah, you know, a movie that I've seen, you know, like... Um, what is it? Uh, Concerto is a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Right. We That's a got, short film, though. It, it is. Yeah. But it's right? great. But it, did it was it nominated for an Oscar? I don't believe so. You know, I don't think it was up there. But man, that movie got me. Right. And it's you know, you could say it's independent. You know, I think it was, um, you know, it's not a studio film, but it's got some, you know, some folks who vouched, you know, for it. You know, it actually was executive produced by Ava DuVernay. Um, so it's got some names behind it, but you know, a simple short film that likely moved me more than, you know, again, I haven't seen Nomad Land yet. It'll be a while, but I doubt that Nomad Land will move me the way that that short film moved me. So I, I'm sure Nomad Land is unbelievable. Just yeah, I, 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 I guarantee I'm, it. I'm sure I it is. guarantee. Do you want to? I don't know if there's. Well, I don't know how much background we want to give to uh, to the short film concerto, but. But the, um, the, the thing that got me about it is it, there's a story the grandfather tells in it that doesn't feel like it could happen anymore. And because of that, it feels timeless. It feels yep. priceless. It feels precious. It feels like there's, it feels like there's, there's a, um, I said Thomas, but I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, it it actually, it, it means, the, I meant the opposite, actually. Yeah. It, feel, it feels like there's a, there's a fuse on, on our ability to tell stories or have that story exist in culture anymore mm-hmm. it, in that way. Um, but, and, and, and maybe for the better, right? He had to do it because of the Jim Crow South and, and the way things were in America then. But as that goes away, that story is no longer necessary, but yet it's so, it's so good. So I don't want to give anything away, but, um, again, it, your core, you know, mm-hmm. when I watch it, it just gets me down to my core. So it was 
but that's the type of thing. Like for me, I'm I'm all in on the indies, right? Yeah, especially the shorts. I feel like, you know, when independent filmmakers are going all in on shorts, man, they're like putting everything in and having to be super creative with limited resources to make something that's really impactful, you know, maybe to get seen or maybe to do the next thing. So like those shorts, man, I'm, I'm all in. So it's like when you, people are asking about the Oscars, have you seen this? Have you seen that? I'm like, wait, 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 have you seen this film and this film? Like you need to go see these. And what I love about those as well is it's so much easier to share those with people. Like you imagine you're like, yo, Nick, you got to watch no man land. I'm like, how long is that movie, man? Yeah. yeah, If I, if I tell you about a concerto as a conversation and that movie is like eight minutes long, and I tell you that it, you know, it like almost brought a tear to my eye. You're going to watch that eight minutes, like, and you're going to yeah. get moved by it and you're going to pass it on to the next person. So, yeah, anyways. I think it's 13 minutes, but it's, it's, it's great. And, um, we, we can't talk about time and movie anymore because after Zack Snyder's justice league, after, <laughs> after I burned four hours so that, and I mean that in the best way, I, I liked it a lot. Um, four hours, four hours in it. And, so you can watch anything now. Nothing. The time isn't the issue. It's it's can you keep me there for four hours? Yeah, but it's also I can share it with you. Like that's the other thing is that like again, thirteen minutes, right? It's so much easier to share, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. what I love about it. Like you can and you can watch it. You almost it doesn't matter what you're doing, right? Like you could be in the middle of doing something, work, cooking, who knows? You could stop for thirteen minutes, right? right? And like and make knock it out and have this you know, feeling that just goes through your entire body and then something you want to share with other people in 13 minutes, right? You didn't yeah. need four hours. You didn't need two hours. It got done in 13 minutes. It's a good point. Cause it, this could be sacrilege and I hope no one judges me for this, but I did have to watch justice league in, in three settings. I think like I, I didn't watch it four hours all the way through. Uh, no, that's just, you didn't, you didn't pee first. I mean, you got to yeah. pee first, man. Gotta like, come on. Break now. It up. Actually, I didn't, I didn't start it soon <laughs> enough each day and on the right day. Right, if you yeah. started at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday, mm, no, gotcha. you know, are you really going to finish it? But I would, but, but I've always said that, that it's not a matter of length. It's a matter of, do you have the content to sort of, uh, almost walk backwards into a bad joke there, but yeah, it's, it's, it's also a matter of like, what is the content of it? Right. It's still, the joke is still there. Yeah, it's still there. Uh, <laughs> like how many times, and in my example is how many times have I watched interstellar? I've, I've right. given three hours, like seven or eight times at this point to that movie because it's yeah. just so boom. It's just so good. It like it, it, it punches you. But <clears throat> this Oscar talk also leads us into our main topic for for the day, because uh, we know that there are Oscar qualifying festivals and that if you're an independent filmmaker, even though, like we said, the floor is that you want to make what you're making and pay your rent, pay your bills doing it. The ceiling, there is no ceiling that, that you want to cap. You, 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 don't, you never want to cap your talent, cap your success, cap your ability. And so you want to take your movie, you want to have a plan, you want to take your short, take your feature, whatever it is, and apply to these Oscar qualifying festivals, Nick. And, and so we thought we would expound upon our our film investment series episode or edition that that launched just a few days ago called execute a plan and just expound upon that concept and, uh, and, and why, for example, you would want the specificity of, I'm not just going to enter a festival. 
mm-hmm. I'm going to enter an Oscar qualifying festival. That's right. And so before I want you to remember that part, Nick, but before we get into that, let's break down to the audience that may not have heard the film investment series episode from Sunday or a few days ago, depending on when you heard it. Let's break down the concept for everyone. So the idea is to not execute the plan, but execute a plan. And the reason we make a distinction there as a key principle around investing, for example, is, and this is sort of a rubric we use internally to invest in films, is because a plan emphasizes and sort of implies that the plan could and should change. And so let's define and get into it a little bit. What is a plan? So to us, the way we look at it, a plan is just an explanation that's highly specific. It's a high quality, great explanation that's highly specific. And so what you don't want and and what Nick and I have received over the years is a series, dozens and dozens of perspectives that outline a very non-specific plan. And you've heard us talk about, uh, if you've been a, a fan of this show and, and, and part of this audience for a while, you've heard us talk about where is the branding and marketing spend in your budget, for example. But going even beyond that, where is the specificity in your plan? If your plan is to shoot this scene, well, how are you going to shoot it? So we know that directors like to map this out with their cinematographer, their DP, their assistant camera, first camera. Um, But even then I've been on set where, yeah, that was the plan, but was it specific enough to get the shot the right way? Right. So you're going to, let's say you're going to shoot a scene on a football field. Mm -hmm. Do you know what you're going to do and how specific is it? So a lot of times that is very specific because you have to get the shot, but the overall plan, the business plan, so to speak, for how to exploit the film and be successful, it's just general. Like we're going to go to a festival, it's going to garner interest, and then someone's going to buy it, give us the money, and then we're going to pay everybody back. And literally these prospectus and, and deal sheets and it look and sound just like that. Here's our comp. Uh, here are our three comps. Here's what they made. So therefore, we're going to make that. Yep. And then, and here's how you're going to get paid back. And and it's going to work just like that. And Nick, that's not specific enough, is it? No, it's, and it's interesting because I think you give them, you know, a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt, you know, when it comes to the plan, right? Because, you know, if you and I have received a thousand prospectus and pitch decks, right, over the past couple of years, we might have seen two with a plan, Mm -hmm. right? All of the other ones have a vision, right? I think that's it. It's a vision, right? And that's why the the comparables come in. Yeah. Right. This is a vision of who we aspire to be, right? Um, Even the investor, you know, return, it's it's a vision of in the best case scenario, what would it look like? Right. There's no plan. It doesn't say how you're going to get there. You know, even with the festivals, like you mentioned, I think there's an intent to go to festivals. I think everyone expects that. Right. Yeah. But never in the in the pitch deck or the prospectus anywhere does it say which festivals they plan to go to and why. 
right? Why those festivals? Are they Oscar qualifying? Is there something specific about your film that really hits the audience of that festival? Is there, is it a location thing? Is it a culture thing? Do yeah, we have context there? Exactly. What's, what's the plan, but there's normally not a plan. And then I guess it's a tough one to kind of push back on depending on how you define success, right? Because we've seen a lot of independent films get made, mm-hmm. right? And they'll get distributed through a variety of different distributors. So they'll make it somewhere, right? Amazon, um, you can make it to iTunes, YouTube movies, you know, all these different places. So if that's the mark of success is just getting the money, then I guess whatever they're doing works. Right. Right. And it's not like we have a shortage of independent films getting funded. Right. It's really the shortage is the independent films returning a profit. Right. Getting that ROI that the investors are, I don't even know if they're expecting it, but you know, that they're saying that they're going to get to the investor. That's where the plan comes in. And, and, and let me jump in right there because that's, that is one of our primary concerns. Like I think our big goal is to disrupt the way independent films get financed forever. It's one of our big goals. And one of the problems is, is you have a lot of one-time film investors because they go in, they invest in movies, they get sold a sort of a bill of goods, either intentionally mm-hmm. or unintentionally, and they never come back because yeah. it's just, it's just an absolute, it's like a 99 to one risk to reward ratio. And it's not, worth it, right? There are just better places to diversify your cash. And quite frankly, in put it and you could put it in more capable hands. And so what will end up happening is that you you lose all these people. You basically keep losing reliable people who love reliable people, people who love art, people who operate and give money to filmmakers in good faith, simply because your plan isn't your explanation Right. Of something isn't highly specific. Yeah. But again, I think that's that's on the success side of it, right? Like you said, like that's the investment, you know, because absent the plan, mm-hmm. then it's to me, it's not really an investment, right? It ends up being a donation, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, or, you know, that's that's basically what it is because it's just, you know, I used to do that with friends. Right? Yeah, there you go. Like the investor I mean, basically. They, like, they, well, they, Chris, can I borrow a hundred dollars? How about I give you a hundred? Give it to you. Yeah. That was just, if I borrow, if you borrow hundred dollars, we're not going to be friends because you never right. pay money back. <laughs> right. I will give you a hundred dollars. Yep. And easy. And I think that's what it turns None. into. But but like you said, after a while, those investors who could be second time and third time and fourth time investors, they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that plan isn't there. So, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Right. And you have to be sort of two feet in in a, in a unique way to keep, you know, to stay in it, to come back and understand what you're looking for the next time. And that is the mission we're, we're sort of taking on in a lot of ways for, for other investors and would be investors and for filmmakers and producers that want to find new high net worth individuals that can invest or are new places and unique ways to invest the, the, you know, the advice Jenica Schwartzman gave about how to use your community 
instead as as a Kickstarter. So yeah. instead of you can use Kickstarter, you can use Seed and Spark, you can use these services, but you can also just kickstart your community. And here's yeah. how you do it, and here's how you don't do it. I thought was was you know super duper powerful. So I want to go into a couple of topics that that we that kind of live inside of the larger topic of the specificity and explanation of a highly specific thing that lacks variability. That is a, is a great plan. That's a plan to execute. And so let's talk about what we mean by that variability and then go into some interesting places where that exists. So for example, we've seen a film be compared to a film that had twice the budget yeah had award-winning stars in it that had name recognition and networks to bring with them and influence to bring with them and then had behind the curtain packaged power in the executive producing team and the producing team and maybe even the director Yep. compared to your film. And that's a way that your explanation is, has too much variability in it. It's like, whoa, that's, that's not a good comp for, it, it could be a decent story comp. Maybe I could see it like, oh, that's a, that's close. I can see where you're coming from to be fair to you, but there's so much variability in that. How do we invest in that? Or, or how do we as let's say we're not on the investment side, let's say we're in the filmmaking side. How do we actually execute upon this plan in a way that's beneficial to everybody when there's that much variability? Because what will happen, Nick, is you'll go to a festival and let's say you win uh, something there, but no one is interested in buying your film. So we talked about this last year. This is a, a thing that's happening in the UK a lot with BBC film, where you spend a million to $6 million on your independent film and there's no buyers waiting for you, even though right. you do good in the festival. Well, there's so much variability in that, that, that now you can say to yourself, well, we just entered the wrong festival at the wrong time. So now you said this was the right dose of medicine to take to, to cure me. And now you're going to change the dose on me because it didn't work out because I'm still sick. And that's what you have to try to avoid in your planning. Uh, or let's say Nick, it happens the way you said it. Hey, I, my film's on Amazon and we, we won. Did you? Right. <laughs> Amazon, Amazon pays six cents per every right, 90 minutes average. watched. Yeah. And if your plan was just to, to go to indie film rights or put it on Amazon or whatever, that's, that's not really, there's a lot of variability in that because Amazon could have been any place or any platform that will take your movie. And it, and it really doesn't, it really doesn't help everyone out. So when your investors come back and say, well, where, where's all the money from this? You can say, well, we just went with the wrong distributor. So again, you're changing the dose on me. You told me this was the dose that was going to get me my money back. If I'm an investor and you told uh, your uh, filmmaker, if you're a producer, this was the dose that was going to make you a notable director. And you told your actors, this is the dose that's going to get you notoriety and get you that next gig and get you a career bump. And yet you've now changed the dose to say, well, we just needed to do this and we just need to do that. And we'll do that 
when the when, yeah. when the distributor's licensing rights uh, let up in it's ten to fifteen fire. years or right, twenty yeah. years, right? So it's it's these are big mistakes that have like costly or and big uh, sort of lack of decision and have a have a costly um, output in it. Yeah, it's, again, I look at that plan and you know we talk about the comps and I just don't know how the current model that we're seeing, like, how does it work? You know, when, if you're comparing <laughs> your film, right? Like if you're comparing your film to what you mentioned, which is again, you're an indie, right? right? Your cast is your friends, right? So they're, they're no one, you know, notable, but you're comparing your project to these films that have notable people in them, right? And have larger budgets and all this, like, how does that work? Like, how does, how does that, how is that a plan? How is that the right thing to do for independent filmmakers? Right. And again, it's like they're getting money using this method. Right. So it's kind of working to a degree. And I guess, they're, you know, some folks are kind of tricked a little bit into it. You know, I don't want to say well, that. It's not you know, even it, a trick, it, but it's it like goes, it goes to this whole thing. Like the worst thing that can happen is being successful for doing the wrong thing because then that gets repeated over and over and over again. Yeah, and I guess that's what it is. It's just someone did it, but like, how long ago was that? So it's like, so there's the cut, but, it, but thing. it's a, but it's it, but it's a, the cat chasing his tail. Is what I'm saying. It's like it worked on this investor, so the filmmaker does it again, and because that investor is friends with the new investor, then the next investor invests again. So it it, it actually works on both sides. You're right, but it it's works like, on the investor and on the filmmaker <laughs> over and over and right. over again. But but it's but it's a winning combination if you just want to get it funded, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Like it's, yeah. you know, we can't knock it because it happens every day, right? It's, mm -hmm. If you can use that model of a comp from thirty-two years ago, and an investor is going to give you a hundred thousand dollars, do it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. might as well. But if you're trying to win, right? If you want to, you know, to get to that next level, then it's it's it doesn't stop it just wooing the investor, right? You got to actually have a plan to make that money back to do the next thing, like to get it to the next level. And, you know, I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, are independent filmmakers, like what's the benchmark that independent filmmakers are using to get to that next level? Right? Yeah. Are they literally looking at, you know, the three horror films that were, you know, crazy unicorn successful that just don't make sense? You know, is that is that the, the rubric for independent film? Like, what is the model? Because, you know, we're seeing it and, and the fact that there's no plan, like, you know, you're asking for money from an investor. Normally you would do that and you'd have a business plan, mm -hmm. right? But there's no business plan. There's a film vision. Right. Right. So it's like, is that the rubric? Is that the model? And when's the last time as an independent filmmaker, you saw that model work? Right. Right. We see business plans work all the time, right? There's examples of that. And they fail all the time too, but yeah. right. But there's examples of that, right. Of, you know, actual business plans getting funded and, and working, but I just don't see the, the opposite, right. Where it's just like, I have no plan, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> wow, look how much success I have. Right. Like, look at this. I won this and won that. And, you know, when's the last time you saw an independent film, you know, outside of a short, you know, win an Oscar or win a, one of these things. So I'm just kind of like, 
I'm in that place where I'm really thinking about, you know, especially as we're talking to independent filmmakers. And a true, a true indie, not 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 the pseudo indie set. Exactly. And we're, we're having these consults. It's like, you know, you really have to think differently, right? It doesn't work by just, you know, basically creating a vision board. Right? Yeah. That's not enough. You really have to create a plan. And that's like for us, you know, like we're not putting money into something that is a vision board. You know, that's not something that we do. And exactly. I think that, you know, any investor would likely be remiss to do that. Right. And again, it's not, you know, we've talked about this before about the return on investment. Sometimes it's not financial. You know, we get that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you're going to the right, if you can actually get into the right festivals, sometimes it's just being associated with a film that's in a specific festival. Like that's enough right. for an investor. Right. It's, we a get level, it's a leveling up. Exactly. And that's, that's fine. You know, if these are the things and you're hitting the mark, but there's a plan to that too. Right. Because yeah. you've got that investor because you're going to go to this festival. So you better get into that festival. Um, well, the yeah, interesting thing there is that you can say that and people will be behind you, even in your own community. You could say, and so that, I don't expect it. this to be yeah. a, this is a lost leader, but here's what it's going to do. And here's why it's important. And here's what you're actually supporting. Exactly. So that's the key. That's where I think independent film can really be successful, right? It's kind of redefining, you know, what success means. And I think that's it. It's like, forget those comps, man, right? That's, it's a whole other world. Like you don't operate in the world where those comps operated. You can't give that return back, but there are things that you can give back. Oh, that's a whole nother indie talk. That's a whole nother episode about the, just the fact that a lot of times the comps are coming from an era that has been passed in the film industry in general. Yeah. Like the whole money has changed. And so that's a, that should be a red flag to anybody where they're like, that's a, that's a different world where that comp came from. Even if, it, even if it is a, a line uh, on budget and, and on cast, I mean, it's just people's behaviors are different. The way they're pulling Man, the five attention years is ago. Right. I mean, yeah. When, when did people really start, what do you, what do you call it? Cutting the cord? Right. Back in the day. Right. Probably and back 2012, in the day, probably. Right. Back in the day could be. Let's go 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's go 10 years. So 10 years ago. Networks, theaters, monopoly on content. Right. Like and captive audiences. You know, like there's only well, they're all still so, vertically integrated, but but now they. No, I'm just saying, like I but, can't. But now they, but now I they, can flip. That's all they have. Yeah, exactly. But I can flip now. Like before, it was like, oh, if you're sitting down at the TV, you know, to dinner at eight o'clock, you know, there's only yeah. so many things you get to choose from at eight right. o'clock, you know, and then that kind of started changing more and more and more, and with streaming, it's just blown up, like. Cable right. is one thing, but it's like, become like streaming here, is another here's my, thing. Here's my vertical integration versus your vertical integration. Let's see who wins. Right. Like like Netflix has got 35 noms this year, nominations. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, I think our vertical wins. Right? right. And so, I mean, to your point, yes, there's there's more choice. There's like a lot of different places you can go. But the more valuable the vertical the more insulated it is. So it's kind of just more of the same. Exactly. But like you, I can, you, I can you, you don't win. get to be in that machine. Right. But you could win before because you had control. Right. Yeah. I, I, you have to come to the theater to watch movies. Like you can't get these day and date. You can't watch this. And right. even the screens, right? Like 
it cost a million dollars 10 years ago for a 50 inch screen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it was yeah. super. And then like all now of a sudden it's a commodity. Is, exactly. It's like but, but the reason why is because they have microphones <laughs> in them. No, there you go. And, and cameras, <laughs> right? You are the commodity. Um, but yeah, it's, everything's changing. So the TV knows again, what you were doing at 1130 last night. Right. Right. So yeah. if you're going five years back, things are different now. Right. There was no COVID five years. But like, how does that change stuff? You go 10 years back. I mean, that is a, a whole other world. So, again, even the cops, it's like, what value do they actually have other than a vision board? Right. It's like, I think that's it. So to me, they're like Jenica was saying to me, that's where you are. It's like the community is is where it's at for independent filmmakers. And then, you know, the next step for me is like, OK, now. If you're going to make or, a f- or or ch- or change the structure from the beginning, and 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 don't just roll out the the film school standard. This is what I was taught about how films get made and financed. Sort of triage that keeps getting repeated in changing times. Like how many times have we seen and heard where the thing you were taught, whether it be from screenwriting on down to film production, the thing you were taught in school no longer applies. It didn't apply by the time you graduated. Right. And that goes in all fields, by the way. Who's who's better prepared to run a business? The kid who starts a service business when he or she is 18 and runs it, maybe runs it into the ground by the time they're 21, or the person that does a business management degree at a public college. Uh, to me, the, the kid is infinitely more prepared to run the next business and to be successful than, but, but the person in college might have a better basis for broader knowledge. But that sp- specific skill set, the leverage, the accountability, all that stuff, the three most important things, all those three things get learned by just running that service streets. business when you were 18. And yeah, like Jenna said, in the streets. <laughs> yeah. and, and, so, and so that's that's a big part. Sorry, I, I jumped in on you there. What was, what was the second half of your thought? Oh, no, no. I, I think that it's just the idea of going to the community, you know, is doing something different. I think it's it's a matter of the offering. Yeah. You know, so, you know, some people are just, you can be fans of, auteur cinema mm-hmm. you know you could be fan of a specific topic you know or uh, a specific cultural or social issue you know that needs a voice you know people might fund that right, right? it's it's not necessarily an investment other than it's an investment in you know them seeing their voice or someone's voice that they care about you know uh, showing up on a big screen So I think Mm -hmm. for independent films, like I said, I I just feel like there's a different definition of success, you know, that really should come along with these pitch decks and these prospectus. And they should be trying to do something different. You know, what that is, you know, it runs the gamut, really. You know, to to me, the the film wins or loses at the very beginning. And what did you do in pre-pro? What was the plan in pre-pro? What is the financial structure of the deal? If you if your plan is to go out and get angels to fund your film, you have put an enormous amount of risk on the film's success just in the, in that decision alone versus the decision to 
try to get commitments and package your film on the front end and sell it to one of these verticals. And when we, so when we say vertically integrated, most people probably know what that means. But what we're saying is a, a, a business that owns every part of the food chain, of the supply chain. So um, if I'm Warner Brothers, I own HBO Max. So I write a check to HBO Max and HBO Max writes a check to AT&T, who owns all, both of us. And right. so I own the whole thing. I, I own the marketing, I own the branding, I own the distribution, I own the production. And so it's it's my circus, my monkeys, so to speak. And Netflix, they own their whole, the whole kit yeah, and caboodle. Yeah. Uh, Amazon owns the whole kit and caboodle, Hulu, et cetera. And, and, and so I don't know. It's like, why not package something that's interesting to one of these verticals and then have them buy on the front end. So, so you're in the black before you shoot kind of thing. And to me, if you know, they're looking to buy because there's more need for content than ever. And there's more verticals and more streamers and more companies looking to buy than ever. And you have more choice than ever, but you have to break out of this old mold of let's get a bunch of angels to come in and, and investors to come in and fund this. And let's try to make their money back on, on the back end, when the streaming has been commoditized, the viewership yeah. is now a commodity. So it's like going for pennies on the dollar. Like it's like a guy in the middle of Central Park with his or Times Square with his jacket open and there's just like watches hanging from it. Like I got a view here. I got a view here. Right. Come over here and watch this. I gotta watch this. And it's like, is this a, is this a genuine view? I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's like, come watch it. So I think the lesson here is like create that specificity around every part of the plan as much as you can, because you will be successful and more successful, the more specific your plan is for how to do anything down to the financial structure, down to why you're, why you're going to shoot this scene that way down to why you're, like you said earlier, Nick, why you're going to these festivals and not these over here. Right. Why you, Let's let's talk about which distributors you're going to because and why you want to go to those distributors and target them versus others. Because like you said, some of these things come off as vision boards because and, and why? Because we're we're artists, we're creatives, we're idea people. These are ideas, these are great ideas. But I think if you want to live in the world of and, and you ask the question, what's a real realistic expectation of success for an independent filmmaker? What are the benchmarks? Well, if your benchmark is being profitable, leveling up, having a great film, all that stuff. And like if your benchmark's a little higher than what we've been talking about, then you need to be an executor. So we know you're an idea person because you're in film, mm -hmm. right? We got that part down. Right. Like, wait, okay, mm -hmm. got it. You got a ton of ideas. I love it. Can you tell me how you're going to do that, though? That's an right. awesome idea. But how are you, are you actually gonna do going to do it? Because right. that's the hard part, as it turns out. Yeah, and every investor, I'd say every good investor will just ask, will just say the simple thing about the ideas, right? It's the same thing for every savvy investor is that ideas are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got them, right? Everyone has an idea, but not many people can execute. So, yeah. So how can you execute? How are you going to do that? How are you going to make that thing successful by whatever measure you have measured success? 
Right. And that's why I look at independent films. It's like, again, it's a big thing for me just to say, to try to find that sweet spot. Right. And I feel like that sweet spot, it isn't that $500,000 film that you don't have the connections, right. The network, Mm-hmm. the influence, you know, the the back door potentially that you need. Like you don't have all the things to execute on that. So does it make sense to go that big if you don't have the pieces of the plan to execute, right? For le- much less than 500,000, for 5,000, 50,000 even, yeah. you could probably execute a really good plan, mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't necessarily involve making your investors back 20% and making $4 million because the comp said you'd make it. It's like, no, you could go to some really good festivals. You could get some notoriety at those festivals. You could speak on behalf of a community that has not been adequately spoken for. You know, you can uh, employ people from your community in the film. You know, you could do a lot of those things for 50000 Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas at 500,000, it just puts you into another bracket, a whole nother set of expectations, a different level of risk that may not be within your scope of execution. Like that's the key. They're in within scope of your vision. Right. Your idea, but not within scope of your execution. Yeah. There's something about that 150 to 750 range that puts you in this really this precarious spot in filmmaking because filmmaking works. And we've talked about this before. I believe it has an, it has a perplexing sort of logic to it because the straight on logic that, that we get presented with all the time is, well, this movie has a low budget, so it's going to be able to make its money back quicker. No, no, <laughs> if if you're in that 100 to 750 pocket, you're actually in this place where your money's has the lowest chance of getting made back. If if you're making a $25,000 film, now maybe that logic makes sense. But if you're making 100 to 750, no, you might as well go ahead and bump to 3 million to 5 million because then at least money talks and bullshit walks, you know what I mean? Like you can at least go get a now now the pressure's on. That's <laughs> yeah. a big movie, bigger movie. <laughs> it is. But now you can get a great casting director. Now you can get a top line or top flight line producer. Now you can get all the best locations. Yep. You can get the best VFX if you need to. You can go get uh, Savan. <laughs> yeah, a little plug right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can go get these folks and and pay them. And then they'll be engaged yeah. and they'll do a good job because they won't be mercenaries anymore. Yeah. Right? And they'll be, their network, which is what is required at that level of the game. They'll get your network and that'll help you sell. And and like I said before, this, these are changing times. You, you can't lean on on film school anymore to tell you how to do it. I mean, obviously, take that information and, and, and leverage it where you can. But we're about to enter a whole new age. We're entering the age of smart ledgers and smart contracts. And how will that... Whenever, when someone's able to actually create products that are simple, like the way that uh, these these crypto exchanges work, where at first they were super complicated and now it's like an app and anybody can use it like a regular application, like, okay, that's solved. They're going to win. Yeah. 
But what happens when someone creates an app that works on the chain, works on the blockchain with smart ledgers and smart contracts where I'm as a filmmaker can upload my prospectus to the blockchain to an, to a place where people can view it almost like viewing NFT art. So a non-fungible token art, right? They can see the whole project and Brad Pitt can go in and say, I like that story. He read the screenplay. I like that story. I will commit. He does it on a smart contract. So it's proof, proof, trustless proof that Brad Pitt is in. Then that next actor comes, says they're in and you create an entire film package and you didn't need a casting director. You didn't need an agent. You didn't need a manager. You don't need anybody because it's actually more solid than that. Because what happens now is we sign letters of intent and we walk those around to banks and say, hey, this is who we have in it. You want to you want to get involved? You want to invest? Give us a loan, whatever. Do you want to bond this complete like do a completion bond for this? Like do you, we run around with letters that's going away. So, again, being in front of that, being what that's where that's where the magic's going to happen in the indie world, because believe it or not, to me. Everything is rolling back down the hill towards the independent creative, regardless of what you want to create. And I mentioned NFT because how could you not <laughs> today? But that's a great example of it. The part of me thinks, and this is the cynical part of me. I promised you earlier, I'm not cynical. Part of me thinks that the reason it makes news outside of the fact that it's exceptional is that there's a little bit of jealousy from the gatekeepers like no our system only works if the artists stay broke <laughs> people wasn't supposed to make 69 million dollars <laughs> that's a big problem right. people, people can feed a bunch of other artists in his network for the rest of their life now you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. and that's not the way it's supposed to work you're supposed to be broke you're supposed to grovel and that way when i give you a fucked up contract you have to sign it because you need me so bad. And now you don't have to grovel. It's back into your hands. You put your work up there for sale. It sells for what it sells for. And guess what? You can create something every day and put it up on a market on the blockchain. And it goes to the globe at scale forever. That's better than the Internet. And that's where we're going. So I would say keep creating, make highly specific plans, just like the one I just described, by the way. You'll win. And by the way, raise your benchmark. Don't make your benchmark. Hey, I just want to make a movie and throw it on any independent distributor platform that will take my movie. Because guess what? Yeah. They'll all take it because they want to leverage your IP and this, to make a big slate out of things and then use it to get their own bank loans. Yeah, and the, for me, the the key thing in there is that the independent filmmaker has to change, mm-hmm. right? This comp model, this vision board model, this no plan model, wherever that came from, it doesn't work, right? It just doesn't make sense, and it's not where we are now. It's not where we're going. Right. So it's like you, you just you have to change. And maybe to your point, Chris, you mentioned earlier about what you learned in school. Maybe they taught you everything that was absolutely correct. 
and they taught you everything that was absolutely correct at the time. But yeah. what they taught you, well, I will say this, what they didn't teach you was everything that was correct and everything that was correct at the time about independent filmmaking. They taught you how the studios do it. Yeah. Right. Yep. So you could do a comp and you're not sheet. In that game. That's a exactly. You could do a comp sheet with a vision board, right? Because you're in the studio, like you're in the world. You have the connections. You can get the people. You can package. You are all of those things. So they were right. That's how films were made. But you're not one of them. But I don't even agree with that because <laughs> Hollywood doesn't work that way. How I'm Holly just saying. How, I, I, I get how it. Hollywood works is 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 uh, you know Tiffany Haddish's agent. You know, <laughs> also represents, uh, you know, some director, and they all pitch a thing together, and then yeah, they the sell package. it, and it then is, they sell it to this uh, to a vertical, and then the vertical makes it. Right, right, exactly. So what I'm saying is that at the time, right, that they learned mm -hmm. these things that might have been correct, but if it was correct, it wasn't correct for an indie. It was correct for the studios at the right. time. So the next yeah. thing they'll learn is how you know is how the studios do it but you're not in the studio. So it's like, you have to find another way. And, you know, that's a, another conversation, you know, we can have as we dig into this, we work with filmmakers, but it is definitely like we, it's time to step up. Like you said, do you want to level up, level up and have a plan, you know, level highly up, specific plan, a highly specific plan, level up at, you know, what festivals and why, you know, what you're going to do in your, like we talked branding and marketing, how are you going to sell this thing? To whom are you going to sell it? This is time to step up because we're going to sell it to everybody, Nick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So it's just, it's time that's to step a, up and, that's an inside and joke. yeah. Yeah. And get beyond, <laughs> get beyond the vision board. You got to have an executable plan. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I love it. And we'll, we'll end this lovely conversation, hopefully helpful conversation for everyone out there with uh, a parable that I think is very apropos, which is a young girl is helping her mother make Thanksgiving dinner. And she notices that her mom cuts the bottom off of the turkey. And she says, Mom, why do you cut the bottom off of a turkey? And the mom says, well, I don't know. Let me ask your grandmother. And she asks her, her mother and, and, and the grandma says, well, I don't know. I don't know. Somehow mm -hmm. great grandma's still alive in the story, by the way. So she right. asks the great grandmother <laughs> and great grandma says, well, we do that because back when I was coming up, we didn't have a pan big enough to hold the turkey. Mm -hmm. And so here we are three, four generations down the line. We're still cutting the bottom off of a turkey, even though our pans are gigantic because we think that's the way. And it's not the way. Things are always changing. So adjust with that, change with that, optimize yourself for the times, go make great art, be successful, and um, live the, the, the be better, uh, be creative, be engaged lifestyle. So there you go. Nick, this is another great conversation. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> it's always good, man. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun good. topic. And I think if... I didn't stop myself. Then we would just keep talking about this in, until yeah. <laughs> until the morning because we're, yeah. we are we are we are super passionate about it, and we we want to we want to see our friends in independent film win. So, yeah, thanks for joining. And, and if you want to learn more and talk to us more and and engage more with this podcast and with us, it's easy to do, Nick. You know, you can email <laughs> us. Easy. Yeah, you can email us at contact at bonsai.film. Yep. Any questions, concerns, feedback, tell us you love us, tell us you hate us. We'll take it all. Most people do it on social. 
They do it at underscore. That's underscore Bonsai Creative. You can find us there on Instagram and on Twitter. If you go to Facebook, you can find us by just searching for Bonsai Creative and we'll pop right up. So please reach out to us that way. If you want to reach out to me and Nick directly, we are active on Twitter. Nick is at Nicholas Bucks and I am at Flame in Your Heart. Your is spelled U R, so Flame in Your Heart. On Twitter, you can find me, or you can actually just search my name, I believe at this point, Christopher Barkley, and I will be the light-skinned guy with curly hair, and then I will come right up. So you can... Light-skinned it. Light-skinned it. Light-skinned it. That's right. it. And I'll come right up, and I'll make sure, be sure to get back with you on that as well. So that is all. Oh, I cannot forget to do this. We like to give a lot of helping hands to the audience we need the audience to give us one back. And here's here's our ask. Our ask is to please go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review this podcast five stars. It seems like a trite ask. It seems like an outdated ask. It's not. They are still using the system. It is still valuable. It still helps people find our podcast. So it is critically important for us to get this word out and to spread uh, the message as wide as possible. Go to Apple Podcasts. It takes just a few seconds. And rate us five stars. And if you have time, leave a review. And, and maybe, Nick, what we'll do is we'll have a little contest we'll work out for the next Indie Talk where if you can prove you rated the podcast five stars or reviewed, we'll send you something in the mail or find some way to you know, send you a gift. Maybe we'll buy you an NFT. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But please do that for us. We'll love you for it forever. We appreciate it. And uh, so with that, Nick, please uh, send us off with The Credo. Well, I would love to. I know you already did it, you know, so we'll say that the, the light skin that did curly haired dude uh, has done it already. So now the darkly complected bald headed dude. <laughs> go ahead no one knows you're it. bald right now. Because <laughs> your <head is> on. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it up because I love it, man. So yeah, be better, be creative and be engaged. And thank you for listening. Nick, talk soon. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure, dude. Peace. All right. Deuces. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Book Us to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.